Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor of Doxa Church, and this is a podcast about living your life on mission for the glory of God. Part of that is spiritual warfare, a battle for truth in your mind, and that's where the topic comes in today. In this episode, we are in for a treat with a special guest interview. Back when Julie and I were preparing to plant Doxa Church, we met some of the most godly, on fire for Jesus pastors and wives that you would ever want to meet. And Abiel and his wife Jenny Mir have become dear friends. And I have asked Abiel to help me speak into the cultural and philosophical phenomenon that is sweeping across our country and corporations and institutions throughout our government and even into our churches. It's the ideology of critical race theory. So first of all, Abiel, would you please introduce yourself and share where you are coming from on this controversial issue? Hi, David. So good to be with you in this podcast and so excited about how God is using you, not only in your local church, but in the community. And oh, thanks, I really brother. appreciate this work and you know that. So my name is Abiel Mir. And uh, I am the senior pastor of a church in Miami called Harvest Church, and it's a multicultural church. Um, we have about, not a large church, about 200 people. Mm-hmm. Yet within those 200 people, we have a little over 40 different nationalities. Wow. Um, and so we meet, you know, we worship in English and all of that, but there's, a, it's, there's over 10 different languages that are spoken uh, in you know among among our people, so it gives me sort of an interest, uh, a different look into you know culture and race and uh, ethnicity and all those things. I am Cuban. I was mm-hmm. born in Cuba in communist Cuba, and I uh, we migrated to the U.S. when I was thirteen, so about thirty plus years ago. I won't be too specific and reveal my age <laughs> over here. But. <laughs> yeah. So um, I live in a you know, my my wife is not the same uh, ethnic background as I am, and uh, I live mm-hmm. among a plurality of cultures, which is a beautiful thing. It's what makes our church unique in in, in, a, in a way. Yeah, it is a challenge, but when it works, which is very often by the grace of God, it's a beautiful thing. Amen. So that's kind of where I come from. I I grew up in Washington D.C., Maryland area. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, also a very diverse cultural, but I also, you know, and um, growing up in Maryland, I, I, I lived mostly in a, in a um, cultural dilemma that was pretty much black and white, you know? Yeah. And, uh, my world is not black and white. It's never been. I don't think the world is black and white, but I understand um, having lived in sort of that... Um, the Washington D.C. area. Sure. Um, so I have some experiences in, in um, both, you know, uh, in the, at least in the different spectrums of kind of what we're perceiving today with this critical race theory. Yeah, your your voice on this is going to be very very good to hear, and and I do have to say, your church in Miami, I had the privilege of preaching there once. It's just an amazing place. It's alive with the Holy Spirit. And it's just such a joy to see what God is doing down there in Miami with Harvest Church and you and Jenny. Before we move into into the next thing, let me just kind of paint a picture for your audience, I think, to hear this. Please do. So when I'm saying that we have so many 
different nationalities. Let me just give you a quick snapshot. So mm-hmm. our social media person is from Ukraine. Our administrative assistant is from the Philippines. <laughs> uh, one of our elders from Ethiopia. The other elder is from Colombia. Worship leader is Haitian, and the drummer is Jamaican. The keyboard player is from Nicaragua. <laughs> and I can go on and on. People from Africa, from Europe, from Asia. Um, it's just really neat. There's not two people of the same culture serving wow. next to each other. It's hilarious. And I'm going to tell you up front, I did not fabricate this thing. <laughs> I did not search out to people. I don't hire people on the basis of where they're from. And I want to have yeah. call it a buffet of cultures. It's just what it is. Right. And so it's, it's a really neat uh, phenomenon that I get to be a part of and I get to shepherd those people. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's such a great picture of the kingdom of God. So many different people from every tribe, tongue, and nation coming together right. in the unity of Jesus Christ. Well, I think it's very important, first of all, to define critical race theory. And I want to say up front that this is a very deep subject and we're only going to scratch the surface of the beliefs before we look at a biblical response. So this isn't your podcast to get an in-depth every piece of the background of critical race theory. But to give you a, a broad picture, you know, let's trace it back where this, this originated from. This is what I'm about to say is out in the open. If you do any digging at all, using Wikipedia, you can trace critical race theory back as a component of critical theory, which was a product of Western Marxist philosophy of the Frankfurt School developed in Germany in 1930s Nazi Germany, which sprung up from the ideas of Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud. So critical theory looks at all of life, not through the lens of scripture or the scientific method or anything else, but through the lens of hegemonic structures. So they see everything as the oppressed versus the oppressor. So I will read here, Abiel, just the definition of critical race theory from Encyclopedia Britannica. Just pulled this up online. Gives a pretty pretty distinct definition of what we what we see today as critical race theory it's the view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and that race itself instead of being biologically grounded and natural is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color according to critical race theory Racial inequality emerges from the social, economic, and legal differences that white people create between races to maintain elite white interests in labor markets and politics, giving rise to poverty and criminality in many minority communities. So that's what we're talking about. That's what we want to tackle today. Uh, This is what is in schools across our country being taught to the next generation. This is something that is believed at the very top of our government in the United States now. And it's being what's shoved down the throats of many well-meaning, empathetic Americans. And to the point that it's making waves in our churches and causing division. So if you think that we're about to blow this out of proportion and this is not what critical race theory really is, I want to show you a very short clip. This is of a young white man in his early 20s, and he is 
pleading with his friends to understand what critical race theory is and why they should wake up, get on board with the program. Here it is. Yes, exactly. I am the oppressor. I am racist. Oh my God, he just said he's racist. It shouldn't be this hard, you guys. If you live in America, went to school, participate in the socioeconomic structures, participate in any sort of system, education, this entertainment, what have you, and you are white, you are indoctrinated, you are oppressive, and yes, you are racist. It is something that we have learned, either consciously or subconsciously, all of us as white Americans. And what we have to do is unlearn that. I'm trying to do the work. Doing the work is pushing against dangerous narratives that are counterintuitive to that unlearning, like white people are also oppressed by racism. We're not. We are the oppressors. That's the point. You should be doing too. Do the work. So once again, I want to clarify, we're only scratching the surface of what this belief system teaches. It gets very dark and destructive. The fruit is disunity and more racism. But Abiel, I'm going to bring you back into this right here. What do you as a pastor from Harvest Church of Miami, a church that has so many ethnicities, what would you have to say to Christians who are becoming confused about this new definition of racism? That's a good question. Well, David, I appreciate that you said that, you know, this is uh, just a conversation, an interaction of, of thoughts grounded in, in God's Word and also the, uh, the ability to have a, you know, the critical acumen to understand things beyond, you know, what, what they are sort of proposed. And I think what mm-hmm. we first have to understand is that uh, this is a social fabrication for mm. political interests. Now, when I say political interest, I'm not talking about necessarily Republicans versus Democrats or whatever it may be. You know, the world is right. bigger than that. Right. Um, pol- 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 politics is a mechanism of power. It's a vehicle of influence and control. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, if there was a different way to use to to, to accomplish it, and there are, you know, there's media, there's uh, many many different ways. Uh, of wanting uh, the world to be uh, the way we want it to be, right? So mm-hmm. uh, this is a construct that this, the interest is to control our thoughts and control uh, population for power. It is a product of godlessness because when you see how it behaves and its product and its origin, and, you know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, I was teaching my, my church on Sunday. We're th- teaching through the letters uh, to the churches, and the first one, the, the Ephesians, and and Jesus there tells the the, the church in Ephesus, you know, I uh, you, you don't like the Nicolaitans, right? And, mm-hmm. and these and and Ephesus was a city that um, known for its pagan rites. There was the uh, Temple of Artemis. The yeah. goddess Diana, and one of the unique things, I was telling the church, one of the unique things about uh, this city is that, and this pagan religion is that they, they managed to dilute, that they made no distinction between male and female. And when I said mm. that in front of a church, people were like, what? Because there's this sort of idea that this whole thing with transgenderism that we're living through is mm-hmm. a new thing, right? Well, these ideas of, of, of race and the distinctions of of people, of the manipulation of a rhetoric, all the, all, no, no, nothing is new under the sun. Right. So we have to see.
see it for what it is. It is a social fabrication for political interest. Yeah. Um, however, racism is real, right? Right. There is something in, in the heart of every man, of every color, of every culture, that that likes to or tends to make to discriminate people, and yeah. uh, race is one of them. We do it over many, many, many other things. We do it. Right. socioeconomically we do it on levels of you know intellectualism you see how people group or re- group together with or re- and reject other groups based on style fashion many many other things and race is just one of them and whenever we reject another human being on any basis that's not of god because god desires that we love one another in spite of our differences Absolutely. and to go beyond that and appreciate that it is the Lord who actually orchestrated this manifestation of different peoples and races. And, and so um, uh, when you see it play out, it, it is really not a thing of God. It is rooted in the heart more than, more than anywhere else. It's not a systemic, it's not an American white people's problem. Right. It is a condition of the heart. And so I can tell you for living all of my life in a multicultural context and having traveled a good chunk of the world, um, that there are racist people in every culture and there are good-willed, awesome people in every culture and of every race and every culture and every race has criminals and lazy people and irresponsible people and every culture and race has noble, kind-hearted, hardworking people that take responsibility every uh, it is not a matter of the color of your skin or how you arrive to america or anything like that this is not a racial issue and so yeah uh, we divide ourselves over many 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 things and i think biblically speaking we are called to a higher why i say it's important to understand this is because you know the bible says that we should be gentle slams but also uh, shrewd as serpents meaning um, not that we should be sneaky or not say what we mean, but what I mean is mm-hmm. that we should understand things as they are and observe. Yes. And so we can be naive and believe things. I think there's a problem when um, the church either becomes overly involved in politics, and there's a, also a big problem when the church is very detached from, from the public discourse and, and, and politics. because. Um, there are these dogmas that Christians are not to participate in politics and all these things that mm-hmm. actually take advantage of our involvement and our ability to be able to speak into situations from a level minor things. I tell my church, look, when it comes to the things of God, yeah. you know, go all the way in. Love yeah. it. When it comes to the things of Satan, you know, go all the way away from it. Hate it. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the things of man, the ideas of man, you know, be in the middle, engage, have yeah. conversations, yeah. Uh, allow for things to, you know, there is a degree yeah. and, and there is a genuine uh, sentiment among a group of people that feel marginalized in this na- in this country, mostly the African-American community, of which um, mm-hmm. no one doubts that, and, and that is something to be dealt with, and I think we, should, we have made great progress, mm-hmm. but um, I think that we should attend to that, but I don't think that guilting every white person into <laughs> a, a, a racist, you know, that's not, not only is it not the solution, but also it's not true. The world yeah. is not black and white. I am around 
Asians and Latinos and Africans. And these people do not feel the way uh, you hear some of these testaments, you know. Sure. And so and the Bible teaches in Galatians chapter 3.28 that in Christ we are one, right? There's yeah. no Greek and there's no Jews, there's no slave or free, male or female, but we are one in Christ. If anyone is in, in Christ, according to Corinthians 5.17, he's a new creation. And the old things that have that has happened to us, both our sins that we've committed to others, as well as the things that we have been victimized for, they have, they're, they're done. Yeah. We are a new creation in Christ. And so yeah. I see the manifestation of these things uh, not being of, of God because they appeal to something that is not in you uh, or something that, you know, it may be in some of us and we must tend to. And I think there's a win here that maybe as a culture, as an Ameri as a nation, we can become more aware of racism and we can, you know, mm -hmm. we can find ways to offset that. However, this imposition of, of ascribing guilt of, uh, of racism on every person and putting in the system and retelling history how it really panned out, yeah. that's not of God. And what's here is uh, it's just a manipulation uh, of, of finding a people that, that you can, you know, kind of find a, a marginalized people, present yeah. yourself as a savior, and, and it's all political. It's all yeah. power-driven. So. so, yeah, yeah, a couple really great things. You had so much packed into that. You're showing us here that the first of all if the church never engages in any of these issues because oh it's political so we can't say anything about it we right. get to the point where we're at today where lies have run rampant and terms have been redefined and christians are confused and the truth is stifled so we have to we have to be able to engage in the middle and of course we're all in on jesus uh we're not making things about political saviors but when there are Issues of truth and error, we need to engage in that. I'm hearing you say that you can't redefine racism and say it's just a white problem on black people. You see it everywhere. Um, what would you say here from a biblical worldview to this idea? Because uh, you spoke on this. You know, racism is, is in every country you've been to, and you, you are a world traveler. So we're hearing a lot of, it's, it's like air in America. There is no system, there's no organization that isn't touched by racism. That's being projected onto us as if it's a fact. And, and we do know, yeah, you, you alluded already, racism is a problem of the sinful human heart. So how do we, how do we juggle those two things and how do we as Christians go from there and, and react to that when we hear something like that? This, this fruit of disunity. That's just everything is racist. What what would we say to that? Well, it's just simply not true. Mm -hmm. It's simply it's simply not true. And uh, I think as believers, we should delight in in that which is true, that which is praiseworthy, that which is honorable. I have many many friends. Um, you know, from one, one of my closest friends is from Ghana, and and he looks at the uh, I sort of what people are saying and these things and he says this this makes no sense <laughs> you know uh what we have here is that there is a majority uh in our nation and whenever you have a majority of any kind 
mm-hmm. uh, that majority exerts its its um, its rule. Just like you know, like to put it to you, simple. Um, I you know I'm Cuban. I grew up in Maryland, and whenever um, I will, you know, my early years or even now, I would I would meet people there. Uh, mm-hmm. They would say, "Oh, you have such an interesting accent. Where are you from?" Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll explain to them, right? And yeah. so, I after a while, I, I kind of, you know, uh, it, it's good and it's and it's fun. But every now and then, I kind of get tired of the same thing. You know, I don't want to reveal to every single person that I meet that I'm Cuban and all those things. And so, right. I I, I kind of have this little joke. I'm like, I don't have an accent. The accent is in your ear. <laughs> and so they'll make them giggle and start cracking up and all that. I said, well. You know, what do you mean? So if I give you uh, three Spanish words to say, when you say them back to me, I'm going to pick up that you have an accent. You know, so, <laughs> so it's a relative, it's a relative uh, condition in the context of where we are. So sure. if that American from the Northeast, right, shows up to Australia, everybody's <laughs> going to say, oh, you have an interesting accent. Where are you from? Right? And, and right. Here, you know, most Australians are also uh, Caucasian. And, and, and they come, you know, they speak the language of England. And, and so the American now stands out in a different context. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the majority are Australians. Mm-hmm. And so that, that doesn't mean that the Maryland English is better than Australian English or anything like that. It's just contextual. For example, yeah. in Miami, Anglo-Americans, Anglo-Saxons are a minority. You know, we're, yeah. our city is 66%. Uh, Latino, and then about, I think it's uh, then split it between uh, island uh, huh. uh, uh, blacks and, and, and whites, and then a, a little bit of, of, of many other cultures. Sure. And so their context, in, like I grew up in, you know, like 20 minutes, I went to college in Baltimore. In Baltimore, white people are a minority you know, right. in the city, you know? Right. And so I think these things get manipulated to, to retell a story. So if I'm speaking Miami of minority kids, my wife is, is, uh, is Anglo-Saxon, mm-hmm. right? She's Irish or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my kids are half Cuban, half, you know, my kids are majority for being Cuban, but minority in Miami for being white. So, yeah. um, and so in, in their country, and you feel them, they don't have friends that look like that. Right. They're the only right. ones of their kind. Right. And so, and so they're developing, they're living out, outlining their lives according to their context. And so that doesn't make it better or worse or anything like that. It's just the natural representation of what's there. Um, and so to make it beyond that and to pragmatically mm. apply guilt to the entire white race and everyone who doesn't want to subscribe to this theory, you, be, you naturally have to become suspicious, right? Right. Because... You know, think about this. You know, the say you get pulled over by 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 a cop, and he says, "Sir, you're you know you're, you're going 85 miles an hour, but you know that you were going 45 miles an hour, and your mind is going like, <laughs> what do you mean? I was never going that fast. Something has to be wrong here, right? Right. Now there's a guy that was going 85 miles an hour, and he needs to be pulled over, and and here's the evidence. And so I think this whole thing is just it's political. It's yeah. power. It's a way of so for me being. I've been born in Cuba, you know, we, we grew up under Russian influence of the, the Soviet Union, and then seeing mm-hmm. how it unfolded, the, the idea, the proposition of a new man, and so, you mm-hmm. know, the, 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 the revolutionaries of the time proposing, they, they find a mar- the same thing that they've done in Venezuela, in 
Nicaragua, they did it in Poland, all, sure. the, other, all, all the socialists. They, they find a group of people that they can make sort of the token of, of, of their ideals and present themselves to be noble and, 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 yeah. and, and yeah. righteous, right? And so um, I think uh, that is one mechanism. And so I think if, if, if racism holds to be true in your heart, just like adultery could or cheating could or, you know, being violent could, then you must wrestle with that as a, as a Christian. Yeah. You have to surrender that to the Lord and ask God to help you and ask for forgiveness for those things. And, you know, it's your own sin and deal with that. But but what we're seeing is not that. I've noticed the same thing, Abiel, of people from from Russia that have that have moved into South Carolina. And, and they see right through this as well, just exactly like you're talking about. They know, and you've probably, you probably see a lot of this where you're at, like America— was built off the pursuit of religious freedoms. Of course, the true history of the founding of our country is being rewritten right now. It's trying, you know, there's an attempt on that. But it's Christianity that is that is the driving force that defeated slavery in our country, the people that finally stood up against it and in England and even here in our country to make to make ground to cover against it. And if we had a systemic race of racism problem, you know, by and large in America today, you have to look at who controls the culture, who who is actually in charge of all this stuff. And, right. you know, you know, it's it's not your Christian conservative values that are running Hollywood and, and running the multi-billion dollar corporation industries in this country. So. So, yeah, if, if it exists and it does in certain places you can't just point to the system. You have to go deeper than that to the human heart because if the human heart changes, the system will change. And the Bible always goes after the heart first. The system will never change until the heart changes. Going back to kind of the big picture of, of critical race theory again, where it just classifies everyone according to groups. I know you already touched on this, how different minorities will get selected and then they'll almost paint a victim mentality around them and then they manipulate that to push their idea. But but what let's go back to a biblical answer. What is the danger of classifying everyone according to groups? Because that's that's like bedrock in this whole critical race theory and you and you're starting to see it more and more in a lot of different ways in our country of like identity politics we have all this intersectionality you can't say anything to me if you're not like this you know um right. let's just yeah just just talk about the biblical perspective on that for a minute well i want to propose to you two thoughts serving the culture and how these things come uh to be um, mm-hmm. King David um, often, and he records it in his Psalms, you know, his enemies that go up to him and say, where is your God? Where is your God? Right? You often see that recorded in many, yeah. many instances. Because here's, here you have a man who makes his boast on the Lord. He says, the Lord is um, my shepherd. He's my comforter. He's my defender. He is my rock. He's my salvation. He makes his boast in the Lord. And um, those who 
and he would always he would not do it to uh, as exclusive right to 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 God, but he would say it as a way of he was the leader of the people and the leader of the world of, of his time, right? And mm-hmm. to cause people to turn to God. But now those who believed and follow, they experienced the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But those who did not believe, upon whom the favor of God was not because of their disbelief, mm-hmm. um, then they don't perceive, they don't experience the salvation of the Lord. They don't experience the joy of the Lord. They don't experience the comfort of, of the Spirit. And so the question is, where is your God? And I think <laughs> what we've had in America, as America becomes more and more multicultural and multi-ideological with the age of information and all of that, yeah. is that we have largely a narrative in America that is, that is Judeo-Christian, right? Right. So from its foundation, um, you know, our, na- our nation, you know, the United States of America, it's primarily a Judeo-Christian uh, culture, you know, uh, the mm-hmm. great revivals, the preachers, in God we trust, the Founding Fathers, their point of reference, some more devoted than others, but their point of reference to God was mostly, the most defining, is the God of the Bible. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the idea here is there is one God in whom we believe, in whom we trust, and He shapes our families, He shapes our churches, He shapes our government. Yeah. Now, if you don't believe in that God, if, if He's not your God, then you ask yourself, where is that God? You don't mm-hmm. see the world the same way that Christians see it. Right. And so you set out to redefine, um, you know, uh, you, you have to outline a new set of, of values. You have, to, um, yeah. you have to retell yourself. You have to create a morality. You have to create a hierarchy of thought. Yeah, you have so, to get your rules from somewhere. <laughs> right, right. So this... This desire for, for a control of the narrative comes from, I don't really resonate with this Judeo-Christian values. Mm-hmm. I, I see the world differently, and I'm seeking to establish a new norm, a new hierarchy of belief. The second thing that I think I would like your, your listeners to consider is this. This ra- um, critical race theory is a mockery of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? The devil is a copycat. The devil is, he, he, he makes, he, he's not original. He just <laughs> uh, makes replicas of what God has created, right? Yeah. Um, and he is by nature a liar. He's by nature an accuser of the brethren, right? He, right. he, he, um, he abides in, in, in murky waters and darkness. Right in, in things of the past, in guilt, in, in pain, in suffering, in victimization. Yeah. Those things cause us to, to shrink us, you know, to, in controlling people. Um, uh, when, when you see the desire of, of this global mindset is control, right? God is, God is not interested in controlling us. God delivers us, He shows us a way, and He leads us, right? In God's yeah. kingdom... Everybody can say whatever they want. Even when your thoughts condemn you to hell, you're still free to say them. Yeah. But in the devil's kingdom, you can't speak your mind because it's a threat. 
because it's founded <laughs> on lies. And anything that 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 threatens the rhetoric must be silenced. You can when you see that when you have to censor people, when you have to control what they think, right. when you have to control what they say. You you should be suspicious of like what's going on here because God made yeah. us free. So why I say it's a mockery of the gospel is because uh, Christians we believe uh, that. Um, we are sinners, right? So there's an admission of sin. Yeah. And and to be saved, you must accept that um, that yes, I am a sinner. Um, and the and and if you believe in Jesus, then you continue to be a sinner, but you're isolated, right, from the punishment of sin because the blood of Christ is given to you, mm-hmm. uh, His atonement for your sins, right? Well, right. critical race theory forces all of us to admit guilt of being racist and observe that if you belong to a certain political party you can continue to be a racist but you get insulated so you can you can (laughs) do all kinds of you can say things you can participate in things you can say all things that if somebody else does them they are condemned if they're not in your political affiliation but you get insulation from the guilt of your racism if you're a part of my political party Right. Yeah. So here's the. This is a mockery of the gospel because the difference. You said, "Well, that's pretty clever." You know, here we have admission of sin, uh, mm-hmm. atonement for sin by 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 believing. You know, uh, by receiving the, the the a certain premise that Christ yeah. died for those sins. Right. I saw that, so yeah. if you admit that you're a racist and you're helplessly racist and <laughs> that you live in a in a in a in a racist systemic world that is faulty and fractured, all you have to do is accept that fact, and then you're accepted in our world. Yeah. The difference between those things is that, uh, on one hand, when when I when we deal with sin, speak objectively of sin of which I am guilty of. Yeah. Right? They yeah. reside in my mind. They are backed up by my actions. Um, there is a these, these are real sins of coveting. Of 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 lust, of um, stealing, of mm-hmm. you know idolatry, right? Mm-hmm. And they say these are real things that we can attain and be like, you know, I did do that, and you can see it. And we observe the consequences of our sin. For example, if a spouse is unfaithful to the spouse, there is real hurt and suffering, and there is actual act of adultery that is accounted for, right? right? If, if you cheat on, on, on your boss and you do, there's actual hours and funds and money that you have taken from them. If you lie to someone, there is actually a discrepancy between truth and lies, etc. We could play all that out. Right. So, uh, when we're dealing with sin, we're dealing with real things that not only I can perceive, but you can perceive and we can deal with them. Yeah. There is also a real Jesus that does manifest himself to us personally and does transform us and does change us right and, 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 and into something different right that's a and huge so- key yeah right there you just nailed it because our identity shouldn't be in our in our race or our sexual desires or anything else our as a christian our identity is in jesus christ and according to the bible there's only two groups of people those who are in christ and those who are enemies of christ and with critical race theory, you can never shed the baggage. You always have that monkey on your back, right? Which which breeds shame. It, it just brings this heaviness. Only through the gospel can you get your sin atoned for through Jesus, and you can receive freedom. 
So it's like, okay, I'm not that person anymore. I'm actually a new creation through Jesus Christ. That's right. So it's a mockery of the gospel system uh, in that way. And here's the thing. Me as a believer, I don't hold myself against you and call you a sinner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I just, my point of reference is the scriptures, right? yeah. that you can read for yourself. It's your choice to believe it or not, but I don't fabricate uh, a norm that you have to adhere to out of my own will. And so think about this, to place ourselves against another human being or an entire race, how arrogant, how crazy, right? Right. And to hold guilt upon people on things that they have not committed. And, mm-hmm. and here I am, the righteous one, and here you are, the guilty one. And not <laughs> only you, you're guilty, but you, there's no solution for you except to live completely surrendered to my uh, view of you. That yeah. is pretty demonic. It is. You know, Jesus came to save, to rescue, to, to grant forgiveness, and to regenerate. Yeah. That maybe I was an adulterer, maybe I was a thief, maybe I was, you know, an abuser, but I am not anymore by Amen. the blood of Christ. Amen. Right? Yeah, the That's fruit right. of this it breed the fruit of this just breeds disunity and not only that, it is oppressive because you have guilt for things that like you just said, that you never even had anything to do with. Like a generate since when are we bringing generational sins back into the into the equation? It's oppressive and it has nothing to do with the freedom from sin and the freedom from guilt that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. And so um, it is a fabrication of man. There's no higher authority that can atone for our guilt of racism. Racism is only one way by which we make distinctions of others. We do it over many other things. It's mm-hmm. just that, that racism is apparent. It's, it does have in America a... a a trajectory of slavery that we must deal with with honest with open heart and mm-hmm. open mind as to really eradicate the the consequences of those things in our culture but the, but these things are beyond that they they're manipulating the real pain of real people yeah they're 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 telling people uh, they're intoxicating each other to to grow resentment towards others instead of working towards forgiveness they create a checkmate kind of situation in which humans will forever <laughs> be indebted to one another over things that they never did just by the color of their skin upon birth right or by you know this this is as this is a trap and yeah. the, the enemy makes slaves the lord sets us free you Amen. know free to love one another free free to to love one another, free to call people, you know, listen, if, if you did something wrong, you did something wrong, it doesn't matter what color you are. And if you did something awesome, yeah. you get rewarded, it doesn't matter what color you are. That's nothing to do with your race. And so I think a, a beginning uh, to the solution, uh, David, is as a church, we must open our eyes, see mm-hmm. things for what they are, engage in the conversations, not be, you know, naive and, and believe just someone just because they they speak in a certain way or they're emotional or anything like that. If it's true, mm-hmm. it's true. But if it's not, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and be able to judge things accordingly because in that we can move forward and, and deal with the real issues. Yeah, that's true. This is a massive misdirect from the real solution to the pain Correct. that so many people are, are dealing with. 
And I think this is a great way to end it. I mean, as far as just how we can lovingly share the truth with people who have just swallowed this hook, line, and sinker, you know, because there's a, there's a lot of people who are are delving into this. They're believing this because you know a very smart person who's an authority figure in their life told them. Like a lot, I think of a lot of students, a lot of young people in. What are just some super practical ways that you can redirect the conversation, you know, maybe with questions back to the truth that will set you free? Like, just, just some practical points on that. Yeah, that's good, David. So I think uh, practical ways, uh, I always like to attack things from, from, from the heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or from the, the, the premise of it. And I think that as Christians... Um, we need to remain in in a world view according to what God says things they are. Mm-hmm. And when we go to the book of Revelation, when this whole story of mankind, you know, comes to um, yeah. on this earth, he says that they, uh, the Apostle John saw that there was a great multitude of people that no one could number. And there mm-hmm. were people from every tribe and nation. He never says from every color of skin. Yeah. It's implicit because we know that because of climate and condition and all those things, people end up looking different after generations. But <laughs> there's not multiple. There's one human race. God created one man, and we, yeah. we through Christ, we get to work back towards unity. Yeah. Now the path of unity is not holding guilt or manipulating the rhetoric. The path to unity. It's by viewing the world as he, how he sees it. And in yeah. God, God's world is not black and white. In God's Amen. world, the, 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 I, by the way, I always tell this to people and they think I'm crazy. I have never seen a white person and I have never seen a black person. <laughs> Honestly, grab a white piece of paper and put it against your, your arm and tell me if those two things are the same color. <laughs> grab, you know, I've seen people with black hair, but they have white skin. And I've, right. I've seen people with white teeth and they have dark chocolate skin you know <laughs> this is this is a social fabrication the world is not black and white where white people are better and the emphasis of a white person is that black person is because it's the other end of the spectrum these are fabrications the world the center of the world is israel the people of israel are neither black nor white mm-hmm. you know they're more like coffee with milk right <laughs> and so uh, I think we need to break the paradigm of seeing people as, an, as antagonists, you know, based on color of skin, based on the history of one world in a context, of, yeah. you know, of hundreds of years ago. And we need to observe the world as it is right now. Absolutely. Where, where there, is, there, is, there is one way to salvation, and that is Jesus Christ, in whom there is no distinction of race, and so if we mm-hmm. find ourselves, we're only responsible for our hearts. I'm mm-hmm. not responsible to change humankind. Only Jesus can do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Start with yourself. That's great. Heart. Am I, do I have racial sentiments? Do I think that certain people, because of their culture, because of their skin, are inferior to me? If, if that is really in my heart, if I treat people differently, if I view them differently, then I must deal with that. In light of Scripture, it is Jesus who has the power to transform and change my heart. Yeah. But once He begins that wa- that process of of transformation, I must let Him tell me who I am in Him, right? Right. And allow and I, but and if I don't, then I don't need to t- 
tell myself I am things that I don't have, right? And I think, I, and I think in, in our day and age here where, you know, where people have uh, access and encounters with people of so many different race and colors, you can put into practice of seeing the world be, beyond just black and white. Right. The world is not black and white. The world is one human race. And, and they're, they're, they're shades of chocolate, like, of cream. Mm -hmm. Some are light yeah. cream and others are dark chocolate. And it's all beautiful. Yeah. It's all beautiful, God. And there are people that are sinful uh, of every race. And there are people that are virtuous of every race. There are people, you know, and, and so I think that's the beginning. In, and, and I'm not asking you to do this because of I'm, 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 I'm sort of compelling you to sort of add more colors to your palette. I'm telling you that mm. that is the true picture of humanity. Right. The world is not how we've been sort of conditioned to believe. And once you see that, I think you begin to understand. And then I will also invite the, the people to educate yourself on, without being pernicious and, and ascribing everything to communism and to some evil, you know, conspiracy theories and all, and all that, but do understand what's happening in our world socially. Um, our, right. Most Christians conceive the world as in blue and red. You know, but the world is yeah. not blue and red anymore. Right. It's been a while that the the world that America is not blue and red. America is um, is interesting. And yeah. We need to engage in yeah. understanding what's happening, uh, the sentiments, the views, and um, and make the make the cross. You know, uh, our symbol of uh, the power that can overcome sin in our lives. Yeah. Not only over race, but over every other dividing line, because. A testament to the to the power of the gospel is that we can truly live in a new nature. Amen. And we can make no distinction while celebrating people's differences. Yeah. We don't have to make distinction of people by their race or by their ethnicity. So good. And what you just said there, you know, there's a big push now to even say, like, you have to see my color, otherwise you don't see me. And I, I understand that. I don't think what you're saying is not contradictory contradictory to that. Like, you see different people's culture in their ethnicity, of course, and we celebrate that as well. But getting back to the point that God made Adam and Eve, and we, we are all descendants, and we will all be unified. For everyone who knows God as a child of the King, we will all be together in what, as one for all eternity is what we have to always go back to. Thank you so much, Abiel. Love this Absolutely. conversation. My pleasure. I'm sending you some hot weather your way, my, my brother, and to your, yes. your friends over there. <laughs> 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 over here. <laughs> for real, send it our way. Thank you, and we'll have to talk again soon. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. God bless you guys. You too. Love you, brother. Bye. Bye. What a great conversation. I love that guy. He is such a great pastor, such a great friend. I hope that was beneficial for you as well. So just to recap, racism is a sin. I hope you hear that loud and clear from this podcast. But we can't allow it to be redefined. Martin Luther King Jr.'s goal was to be judged by the content of your character, not the color of your skin. So don't let anyone tell you that only white people can be racists. As Abiel said, he's been across the globe. Everyone can be racist. The real definition of a racist person is someone who believes that one race is inherently superior or inferior to another. For a racist, it's not intelligence, character, or values that determine someone's worth. It's his or her skin color. And we just talked about how wrong 
that was. It's a contradiction to everything that we see in Scripture. To say that racism is foolish, stupid, and evil is to understate the case. It's contrary to everything we learn from God about the way he looks at the world and the way we are to see people. So critical race theory is not a solution with helpful points. It's a cancerous deception that will only entangle people with distrust and disunity, as Abiel has eloquently elaborated on. And the only way out of that destructive pattern of sin is heart transformation. Systemic problems won't be solved by systems or platforms or agendas. Jesus gives us the solution. It's a new heart. And when the individual heart changes, they start loving instead of hating. They start treating others better than themselves. This is what Jesus taught us. So remember, our main problem is a sinful heart. We have a natural tendency to blame others, to make excuses for ourselves, and to find solutions that remove God from the picture. The more critical race theory is brought into our society, I really believe this, the more systemic injustice is going to happen. And it's not going to be white oppressing black. It's going to be every other race on the receiving end of treatment that is not equal. And I know this is a bombshell statement to make, but honestly, think about it. Who is the system giving special treatment to? And which race is on the receiving end of the negative? I'll give you a hint. It's not the Asian Americans or the Caucasians. So what is that going to do in the long run to people who don't know Jesus? To the Hispanics and the Asian Americans who don't know Christ, let alone the Anglos of our country. And we're just flipping the resentment around and pitting it on another group of people. You're going to have more racism and resentment. The answer to all of this is to stand for the truth and to love people. Don't be a respecter of persons. Treat everyone equally. Giving special treatment to make up for the past has never worked and it will never work. It doesn't work with your kids and it's not the answer to our society's problems. The answer is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm glad we were able to have this conversation as always with the Doxa Dialogue, if you have comments, questions, we would love to hear from you. And I know we may we may hear something from from the listeners out there on this one, and uh, we're we're fine with that. Please, please share your insight, and we'd love to discuss with you if it's a helpful conversation. Next week we'll be talking about Christian nationalism. I'm really looking forward to that conversation with Stephen and Rebecca. So. Share Docs of Dialogue with a friend, and we will see you again next week. You are loved.